Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deck. And most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Hail, fellow travelers. Welcome. Uh, congratulations to everybody who has made it through the weekend. I think as we get closer to the end of what this current calendar tells us is a year, uh, we're all we're all thinking ahead and we're all thinking back into the past. As things begin to wrap up in 2022, hurdles towards us. We are finding that the world of the future may be a little bit different from the world of the past. Today, we're diving into the world of technology. We're diving into um, some of the hints that the natural world is giving human civilization. <laughs> hints that indicate things might not be so hunky-dory. But let's maybe, let's maybe start with the world of tech. Uh, one thing that our fellow European conspiracy realists are able to enjoy is something called the right to be forgotten. You guys have heard of the right to be forgotten, right? It's, it's not a thing in the U.S. yet. No, I mean, it's just the idea of like your internet footprint being in some way available to be erased, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the idea that 
you your private information can be removed from internet searches, other directories under some specific circumstances. So for everybody who grew up pre-internet, yes, those folks are out there. Hopefully they are hale and healthy. Um, you know, you'll hear people of that age sometimes say, God, I'm glad TikTok and YouTube weren't around when I was growing up because I did some cringe stuff. And the internet, like the mythical elephant, never forgets, which is why today's first story I advance is so fascinating. If you believe Facebook, aka Meta, or should I say Meta knee Facebook, uh, then, then um, they're proposing to do something that has caught the attention of many, many people. Facebook users present and former caught the eyes of tech analysts and policy wonks. Facebook says it is going to purposely forget some things, some very controversial things. Question is, do you believe them? Yes, you're right. Let's jump right into the story today. This comes from The Guardian. It was posted last Tuesday, uh, Election Day, here in the United States. Uh, Facebook to shut down facial recognition system and delete one billion face prints. That is the headline. Uh, Nature, as you said, Ben, has reached out and said, we no longer need your faces. And in this case, it is Meta <laughs> saying that. Uh, the, the parent company of Facebook now. If you didn't catch it, Meta is to Facebook as Alphabet is to Google. Yeehaw, here we go. Things get weirder every day. So, why would Facebook shut down its facial recognition system? It seems like something of the future, something that is inevitable, something that would be very useful for a company and social media website that has billions and billions of users. Uh, remember, that includes Instagram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's Facebook, Meta. I should say, says that they are closing down their facial recognition technology due to, quote, many concerns, <laughs> literally, quote, many concerns about wow, the technology. The concerns. So many concerns. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into why maybe Facebook is concerned about those concerns uh, all of a sudden. But this is the most important part. They are deleting the face prints that have already been collected. So if you have gone through your Facebook or Instagram or one of your other apps that is somehow being used by Facebook and created a face print, like given the, the company permission, or if there's just a face print that is made of you, whether you knew it or not, um, it's, it's going away, which is kind of, which is nice. Hey, yay. One less version uh, of my face that can be, you know, used by a company to find out if my image shows up anywhere on its platform. Um, one of the biggest things just to hear to talk about is that Facebook itself and I guess now, well, Facebook under Meta has been under all kinds of pressure, uh, political, legal, regulatory pressure over various things that its software does and the information that it keeps track of about its users. Uh, in this case, this, again, facial recognition software was used to keep track of photos and videos, let you know as a user, an end user, whether or not you're showing up on somebody else's feed. Somebody posted a picture of you, which can be really helpful, right? We all do all kinds of various interesting things on the weekdays, at nights, sometimes on the weekends, that maybe we don't want a picture showing up on Facebook or Instagram of, right? It doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. It just means... 
maybe you don't want a picture of you after a couple of drinks at a bar, something like that. And according to Meta's vice president of artificial intelligence, uh, wow, what a title to have on your door. Yeah. You had an office, uh, Jerome Pesenti, P-E-S-E-N-T-I. Uh, this tech, this facial recognition software was being used by visually impaired users and blind users to identify their friends in images and also to help prevent fraud and impersonation. Again, this comes from The Guardian. Um, but really, they were just weighing all of those advantages and the good things about it against, quote, growing concerns about the use of the, this technology as a whole. And I just wanted to bring it bring this to our attention, I guess, and have a discussion about it, because last year there was a pretty big class action lawsuit that was levied against Facebook where they ended up paying, I think, six hundred and fifty million dollars to settle it. And, you know. That's a lot of money. When we talk about the cost of doing business, that's not that much for Facebook, but it's still enough to where if that kind of fine can be levied against the company for what occurred then, then you can only imagine the things in the future, like what what problems could be presented Mm -hmm. legally for them. They also set a precedent. Oh, yes, they did. Uh, Like a legal precedent was set by the government, and then Facebook set a precedent by paying the fine. Mm -hmm. So they set themselves up like they they can't pull uh sorry officer i didn't know you i couldn't do that the next time something like this comes around you know yeah so yeah well yeah and the whole point of that class action lawsuit was that users were claiming that facebook used this facial recognition technology to create these these face profiles for people without their consent right with without their even knowledge or permission um so it just really interesting stuff. We got a listener voicemail in from someone very recently talking about how Face ID with Apple and a couple other facial recognition software programs have kind of been the same core thing. And then it was purchased by someone and integrated into another service. And then that was purchased and integrated and how facial recognition is becoming this one almost singular thing. Um, not necessarily true because the code changes each time it changes hands at least a little bit but just this concept to me of your computer or your device whatever it is you're using no matter what the platform just the concept that it will recognize your face when you use it to use it and then to uh connect with other people Um, yeah that's weird stuff Mm, it's also there there's a controversy surrounding the opt-in, opt-out nature. I've, I've talked about the importance of this from a psychological perspective for a while. We've mentioned this in past episodes, uh, like the wonderful study that found people are more likely to be organ donors if they have to opt out of it when they get their driver's license versus volunteering to opt in their kidneys and their hearts and what have you. When Facebook initially rolled out facial recognition in 2010, it was automatically enabled and you could um, you could opt out, but you had to be aware of it and you had to go actually opt out. You had to go dig through the Byzantine menus, um, which are purposely confusing, I would argue. Uh, And I believe Facebook only made it explicitly opt in like nine years later. That's why they have so many. That's why they have like, what is it? More than a billion, right? They have more than a billion individual profiles. Uh, and 
I'm going to say this, like, even if they, even if Meta or Facebook or whatever name it wants to go by, uh, even if it does in good faith erase those databases, it's, it's too late. It very much like that data has been sold to third party companies, hasn't it? That, that has already been scraped. It's already out there. It's not as if they're going to go back to whatever third party has that information and say, hey, guys, our bad. We want to fix this. Yeah. Um, let me let me just read some of what is stated in here. Uh, in the Guardian article, they note that, quote, if users have opted into the facial recognition setting, the face print used to identify them will be deleted. If that face recognition setting is turned off, Meta said there is no face print to delete. Sure. Okay. Uh, Pizzenti said Facebook will encourage users to tag posts manually instead, which is a very big thing, has been a big thing for a long time. Tagging your friends and family if you post a an image or video Don't on that do it. platform. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> but personal bias is showing. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. And that like that is their official statement. They did have that fine. Um my big question though, guys, is is this a is this a temporary thing to move the news cycle away from stuff like making a version of Instagram for children? Is this like what what what's their end game? Because I think it'll come back. I think that as long as other companies are doing this, you know, maybe quote unquote Facebook won't, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few years down the road, Metaverse rolls out something that is facial recognition in all but name. You know? Well, sure. I mean, it's just like changing their name to Meta in the first place. You know, it's like they're they're not actually changing anything fundamental about what Facebook is or any of the nature of the problems that people were, you know, giving them a hard time for very justly in the first place. It's just like, oh, hey, look over here. It's not Facebook anymore. Meta is doing it. But I mean, of course, the metaverse will have facial recognition data because it's you're literally scanning your whole biometric face print in as an avatar that then can have like, you know, gestures associated with, you know, the movement of your actual face. Well, Um, here's the thing. Maybe. And I'm only thinking of the experience I have with uh, virtual reality environments where you can set up like a social media network through virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the most important thing is that your avatar does not look like you. It is a different representation, and you are essentially anonymous as a user. Okay, your fair. username and your representation as your avatar. I, I, you know, I, it depends on how deep the metaverse goes, right? I think right. what you're saying, Ben, might be true. It comes back once everybody decides, no, I don't want you know, a big cat boy as my character anymore. I want Matt Frederick. So um, I'm just referring to what I saw in the video that Mark Zuckerberg, you know, narrated where, yeah, sure. There was like a whole thing where it was like a giant robot playing cards with some other people that looked like themselves. And then it showed things much like you can do on the iPhone where you can make little avatars of yourself that'll, that'll, you know, react if you put the camera on you and you, you know, smile or, or wink or whatever, it like reacts to your facial movements. I'm just but saying it's an avatar. Do- it's an avatar, right? It's like a, a virtual kind of looks like you cartoonish. Yeah, sure, sure, right? sure. But I'm just saying to get that information, I mean, surely it has to, I don't know. Maybe I'm, you're right. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking the worst, but I just don't believe that they're out of the business of, 
grabbing people's data and and whatever that entails, whatever they can yeah. get their grubs, their grubby hands on. You know, I've got to be fair, guys. Um, so I was also, I I was trying to remember where I read this. It's a New York Times article. Uh, from a couple of days ago by Kashmir Hill and Ryan Mack. And they say that Facebook maintains it has never actually sold its software to third parties and that it only used its uh, recognition capabilities on its own site. But I want to point out the software is not the same thing as the data, right? Like you can be McDonald's and own an ice cream machine and you can sell ice cream every day and you just can you can go to court and say i've never sold a single ice cream machine you know what i mean it's not the same thing and we have to be very we have to be very mindful of the um semantics involved in any kind of statement like this but yeah maybe maybe i'm being pessimistic too i just the the issue is that the normalization of facial recognition of of hands-free technology is on the way it is inevitable. It is coming. Uh, to paraphrase Thanos, picture like a Thanos meme, but it's like facial recognition or Meta pasted on the face, and it's a bad Photoshop because it's you know it's a meme, of course, and it's like where did that bring you back to me? That's like Jeez. I think where we're gonna be. Huh? Yeah. Uh, that article, by the way, New York Times. If you want to look it up, titled Facebook, citing societal concerns, plans to shut down facial recognition system. You can also find it in the Washington Post inside Facebook's decision to eliminate facial recognition for now. Uh, And you'll find the same story all over the place. NBC, CNBC, CNN, uh, any any place that's that you look, basically. And if you want to go to about dot fb dot com. Yes, you can find their official Facebook app update from Meta. And that's that's where you see Jerome actually making these statements that people are all pulling from. Um you know, it's one of those things I I I've only used Oculus, which is Facebook's VR platform. And that's what I'm pulling that information from Nolan talking about using yeah. a, a specific avatar. I'm with uh, you, man. You've got more experience than I do. I'm just I think I'm definitely being a naysayer here because I just don't trust the company. Um, and I think it's a weird move just to like rebrand. Oh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, it's still the same man behind the curtain, but But I I, I hear you think about what we're doing though. Right. With these NFTs, with, with people pulling real world art and things into our own virtual environments and like kind of laying stake to them. Yes. I have a feeling we'll want to lay stake to the person that we are at some point, just yeah. probably not for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. Would you think it'll be sort of the equivalent of like, like a, a race car driver that wears an outfit that has like tons of branding on it, but we can do that like in the metaverse, like literally, you know, like sell part of our bodies, <laughs> you know, our, our digital bodies to a company. I think there are going to be so many ads in the metaverse. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. It certainly, it certainly reminds me of that episode of Black Mirror, the the merits or whatever, a hundred million merits. I'm always bad at numbers. Where you have to pay credits to skip the ads mm-hmm. uh, because essentially, if you're in that universe, it's got you as a captive audience, and you don't want to break the experience by taking off the headset. So there will have to be some kind of metric to allow you to either skip ads or pay a premium to, you know, get quicker ads or like, you know, we get ad free service 
uh, for certain subscriptions, you know, when you can get the free version that has tons of ads. So I'm sure they'll be, it will be that different from a model like that, right? Oh, yeah. And, and there's a there's another show on Netflix that I can't think of the name of it right now. It's mm-hmm. got Jonah Hill in it. It's really interesting and, and far out there. But it, within that world, they have a service called AdBuddy where if you cannot pay for something, you can get credits essentially by having a spokesperson come to you and play ads for you and ask questions. And um, basically you you get credit for experiencing ads. And I can imagine that occurring within the meta Somehow. Is it is it okay? I'm doing Jeopardy. I'm going to put it in the form of a question, uh, Matt. You're my Alex. Is yes. it Maniac? Yes, it's Maniac. It's Maniac. Ding. Billy Billy Magnuson, one of the one of my favorite actors, is in that one too. <laughs> uh, and Gabriel Byrne as well. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So I I know that sometimes I get a little out there on air, but. From my calculations, here's what's happening. Here's the lay of the land, and it's very important for everybody to listen to this. The digital world, right, the digital global world is going to become the norm for documentation. It's going to become the norm for verification, identification, you know what I mean? Like where to the point where uh, um, a physical driver's license may become sort of a, a relic or like, that's cute. Why do you have that? Oh, nostalgia. Uh, and in step with that, the actions that Facebook is taking with the creation of a metaverse are going, they're trying to monetize human behavior, right? But there's another danger that people aren't talking about, which is supplanting the role typically taken by the state in this regard. You know what I mean? You don't want a private company to be in charge of things like your birth certificate, right? You would, even though it's a hassle to get that, you know, depending on where you live, it's um, something that a government should do rather than a business, unless, of course, the earlier predictions are correct and we are hurtling headlong toward corporatocracy. I yield my time. Thank you for your service, Ben Bolin. <laughs> we will, I think with that, we're going to move right along to hear a word from our ad buddy, which is us, just reading ads. So, oh, God. Here we are. We're in the metaverse already. (laughs) (sighs) I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We're going to talk about something semi-apocalyptic, endlessly fascinating, and, uh, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little naughty, or even maybe a little puritanical, honestly. Uh, we're talking about the birds and the bees, and uh, folks, younger conspiracy realists in the crowd, if uh, this is uh, not for you or uh, parents in the crowd, if this is not for your kids, go ahead and fast forward about 15, 20 minutes, uh, because we're, we're going to get a little bit graphic here. So I mentioned at the top of the show that nature may be giving human civilization signals that not everything is five by five. <laughs> One of the, to say the least, and has been for a while. Yes, we get it. But uh, so there are these birds. They're called California condors. They kind of look like a bird version of Cruella de Vil. Mm. Um, that's, that's probably a, a good way to put it. I'm just going to throw this in the chat so you guys can check this out as a reference. They've got a vulture-like quality to them, in oh, my yeah. mind's eye at least. Mm-hmm. And they've got, they look like they're wearing Ugh. an expensive coat. 
Uh, yeah, I like the fringe, but the face I could do without. It's like a weird bald vulture kind of situation. Yeah, so, uh, it's like it's what, got leprosy. Would, yeah, it's something you would call a face only a a mother could love. Um, and you know what about the father? Well, that opinion may be irrelevant very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Uh, so the California condor is critically endangered. Uh, they're big. They're big, big birds. Uh, we're talking like a wingspan that's just under 10 feet, like 9.8 feet, something like that, making it the the widest of any North American bird. Just a rare distinction, but, you know, get the superlatives you can. Uh, the thing about these creatures that recently came out, and, you know, scientists are obsessively trying to save these creatures from extinction in the wild, uh, is that. Like, like the main focus when you have a critically endangered animal is to figure out what you can do to up its chances of reproduction on a large scale. Uh, only about 500 California condors are in the U.S. or on the North American continent in the U.S. and Mexico, and their numbers are actually going up. In the 1980s, there were less than 24 of these birds, so their family tree is uh, not a ton of branches on the thing. You know, is what we're yeah. saying. And recently, condors contributed a great deal of uh, a great deal of research to the solution. Uh, how do we get more condors, especially when critically endangered? Their environment is being degraded. No one knows like how they can get past all the terrors of life as a modern day condor. You know, to get some intimate time. Paul, can we get a sound cue? Oh, mm. baby. Yeah. yeah you oh, get some... Chicka, bow, wow. Ooh, a little shot on. feels so good. So, uh, here's what they did. It turns out that at least two California condors pulled a Mother Mary and gave virgin births. The uh, They reproduced asexually. Uh, the fancy pants name for this is Parthenogenesis. This is what this means is exactly what it sounds like. No pops in the picture. These birds, at least two, so possibly more, simply decided to have a kid and they did. Uh, and to whatever degree they could decide to do so. Uh, this, they're not the only animal that's capable of this. It turns out that other uh, other creatures have done this. Lizards, people have all probably heard about, you know, like Komodo and stuff like that. Snakes, sharks, rays fish, but other bird species can have virgin birth. The two kids that each of these condors had, one each, uh, were male. One hatched in 2001, one hatched in 2009. They were entirely related to their mothers, had no DNA from any, you know, any paterfamilias in the bird world. And instantly, Scientists tested all the male condors they knew would be in the breeding pool, and that's when they realized something that's even more of a plot twist. You see, typically when parthenogenesis occurs in an animal population, it's because there's literally no male there. There's no male in the breeding pool. There were dudes around here, but the virgin births occurred regardless. So cast cast out ideas of like why the last man things like that there were dudes there this was not some kind of um biologically distinct apocalypse just for the male birds a uh, guy who was a co-author of the study 
and director of conservation genetics at San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, had this statement where he underlines just how important this is. He says it's truly an amazing discovery. And he also admits we weren't looking for evidence of parthenogenesis. We just found it kind of accidentally through normal genetic studies. Unfortunately, both of those um, chicks, those male chicks, have passed away. Um, And the mother condors had previous issue that was bred in the traditional way. uh, And one of them continued to reproduce after the virgin birth. But now scientists are scratching their heads thinking, what is this? What does this mean? You know, what, what does this, okay, what does this mean for the dating scene for male condors? Good question. Do your best guys. But then also, what does this mean for uh, the ecosystem at large? You, you guys have probably heard of this, right? Before we went on air with it. Not specifically. I mean, maybe I've heard the word before, but I don't think I understood that it meant, I mean, you led with the expression virgin birth, Ben. It's hard to walk back from that. Once you hear virgin birth, that's, I'm kind of all in with that one. Um, but that's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I did not know this was possible. Seriously. I, I mean, at least from a species that has the functionality to have eggs that are fertilized by a male. I did not know they could just sometimes spontaneously fertilize themselves. That's yeah, mind blowing to me. Exceedingly rare. You know what I mean? Like only one person in human history is acknowledged or believed to have done that. And that's still a very controversial statement. These birds are out here lapping human civilization in that regard. You know, it's two for one, probably probably a more extreme score. Um, just for the science of it, we know that what happens in a base level is that there is a cell in a, you know, like we call it biologically female or whatever, cell in, in that body that behaves as though it is a sperm cell and fuses with an egg. And this, again, normally only occurs in animal populations with a very small amount of breeding males or zip, zilch, zero breeding males. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, I, my spidey sense goes off, you guys. It has me worried that this could be something like a, um, this could be a bad sign, you know, for keeping with bird comparisons. Is this a canary in a coal mine? Mm. Why is this happening now? Is this just the first time it's been documented? Is this like, is this a harbinger or foreshadowing of other things that that might come? I mean, it's at some point it would have to be dangerous for the population of condors if they rely entirely on this asexual reproduction, right? They're not they're not remixing the gene pool, which means that there's a ticking clock on viability. Eesh. Yeah, there really is. Till they become the Habsburgs. <laughs> centuries later we're still dumping on that poor guy's chin it wasn't his decision Uh, don't dump on his chin (laughs) no not dump dunk dunk Dunk. please please god Uh, (laughs) so with like with this in mind what i would um what i'd love to hear is story uh i'd love to hear stories of other indications of things like this like we rightly rag on alex jones for being an agent of disinformation and for frankly not knowing what he's talking about most of the time hashtag i said what i said but um he was in part 
he was in part right about how chemicals had affected the reproductive aspects of certain amphibians. He totally mangled the headline and was like, oh, chemicals are making the frogs gay. And that was not the case, but there were deleterious effects of wild populations being exposed to these sorts of things. So what is inspiring or what is inspiring is not the right word. What is creating these virgin births? And yeah, of course, like to an earlier point, they're not technically virgin births, uh, but they're being called that because it's great for headlines. I'm just wondering where this leads us. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, like what if this happens to more animals? The, the unfortunately clear answer is that if it happens to animals and it becomes an ex- the exclusive method or the primary method of reproduction, then again, they will not be long for this world in the overall sense. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, here, I just want to use a, make space for a couple minutes of thought experimentation. Matt, Noel. What do you think the world would look like if human beings were capable of this? If some evolutionary switch got turned on? It won't, probably, because how chromosomes work. But um, I hope I hope that doesn't happen. I I need to have some kind of, you know, biological need to be here personally, just for my own, you know, <laughs> for my own concept of my I don't know, value of and the importance. Self? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would be. I would be okay. Uh, I, I I would be okay, maybe in in a world like that. But yeah, I guess you're right. There would have to be some point where people, people who are no longer a necessary part of the reproductive process, would have to be like, "How do I justify being here?" <laughs> yeah, I, I currently don't believe in reincarnation. So, like, the the possibility of Continuing my genetic line is one of the only things that drives me, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. This time around, you're not Even if it's subconsciously, right? I mean, yeah. 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 yeah I, uh, I, I don't know. It's fascinating because it implies a couple things. One of the first things it applies is sort of what I, um, not to be too dark about it, but I call it the roach rule. The roach rule is, this is familiar with anybody who's worked in pest, uh, pest, industries or extermination industries if you see one roach that means there are more they roll deep right and that means that if we apply the roach rule to the california condor in this case or the practice of parthenogenesis then what we can see is that there are probably more cases of this and it's probably been going on for a longer time and it maybe just hasn't been documented because again these brilliant researchers sort of stumbled across it by accident So that's what it's indicating to me. The second thing that's indicating is that these things don't happen in a vacuum, not generally. There is some, there's almost always some sort of environmental pressure. That is what drives evolution, right? Uh, Humans didn't start humaning because they thought it would be a fun thing to do. They did it to survive the environment of the time, whatever that time was. And that's why evolution amidst the human species continues today. That's why people are getting that weird extra, what is that, extra vein in their forearm we talked about mm-hmm. a while back? Mm-hmm. That's a thing. No one knows why. Uh, so uh, It's, for, it's yeah. not for us to decide. History will be the judge of what that vein is for. 
History will be the judge of what that vein is for. Uh, That's our next T-shirt, folks. Uh, (laughs) And let us, uh, at this point, before we throw to a break, I would like to ask all our fellow conspiracy realists out there listening, what do you think this may mean for not just condors, but what do you think it means for the larger picture, for the macro? Uh, And what do you think the world would be like if, other animals, including human animals, started exhibiting this reproductive strategy. Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, you can hit us at our phone number, one eight three three stdwytk You can email us directly where we are, conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Or if you want, you can, uh, if, you, if you don't want to share with a group or you're dodgy about uh, getting involved with company email stuff, you can always just hit me up directly on social media. But We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. Uh, We're going to hope that we still have value to the current species. (laughs) And if so, we'll return with another piece of strange news. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. 
she would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with today's final piece of strange news. This isn't so much a dystopian sci-fi technology run amok story um, as one might think, but there is something of that to it. Uh, maybe not quite as much as Matt's VR um, world kind of scenario. Uh, I don't know. That's that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on um, as long as we still have eyes. You know, presumably, inevitably, all of these things are just going to be piped directly into our uh, our brains and we won't even need eyes anymore. You know, we'll just be strapped to like a, a gurney with a feeding tube and like, you know, uh, vitamins being pumped into us intravenously and just hanging out and playing cars with Mark Zuckerberg in the metaverse. What's the thing? Like, why would you want eyes if you can have stereoscopic 10 K cameras? Right. I mean, I guess it's an upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. It's just all about context. It's all about recontextualizing what it means to be alive. And uh, and that's what uh, scientists are sort of doing. Um, scientists at the uh, Allen Institute for AI have created an artificial intelligence experiment called Ask Delphi um, or Delphi. I've always heard I've, I've heard it interchangeably referred to as like the Oracle of Delphi, the Oracle of Delphi. I love it when these um, AI projects have like really grandiose names like the you know this idea that that delphi is like somehow magically tapped into the mysteries of the universe and can give you answers to moral quandaries because that is the idea here um delphi was launched on october 14th along with a research paper that described how it was made and it is one of these neural network situations where it you know mines you know, different crevices of the internet, um, you know, analyzing syntax and various, um, you know, uh, ways to g- presumably get a nuanced grasp of, of, of language, of, of the English language. Um, so if you go to the website now, I'm just going to lead with this because this is sort of an update. If you go to the website now, askdelphi.com, you get this disclaimer. Terms and Conditions, version 1.0.4, leading with this. Delphi is a research prototype designed to investigate the promises and, more importantly, the limitations of modeling people's moral judgments on a variety of everyday situations. The goal of Delphi is to help AI systems be more ethically informed and equity aware. 
By taking a step in this direction, we hope to inspire our research community to tackle the research challenges in this space head on uh, to build ethical, uh, reliable and inclusive AI systems. And then you check a box as I understand that Ask Delphi is a research prototype and will be used only for research purposes. OK, that seems very forthright. Next, what are the limitations of Delphi? Large pre-trained language models such as GPT-3, which we've talked about on the show, are trained on mostly unfiltered Internet data and therefore are extremely quick to produce toxic, unethical and harmful content, especially about minority groups. Delphi's responses are automatically extrapolated from a survey of U.S. crowd workers, which helps reduce this issue, but may introduce its own biases. Uh, thus, some responses from Delphi may contain inappropriate or offensive results. Please be mindful before sharing results. Check the box. I understand that Ask Delphi may produce unintended, inappropriate, or offensive results. Oh, okay. A little weirder. Uh, and finally, privacy and data collection. This website does not store any personal information of its users. It does store user queries for future research purposes. Check the box. I understand that my queries will be stored for future research purposes. So let's uh, hone in on that second um, caveat and the idea that Delphi may produce unintended, inappropriate or offensive results. So as The Verge reported, uh, much like a lot of these other chatbots or whatever, and again, the, the folks at Delphi do acknowledge that this one is uh, using a little bit more of a targeted um, portion of the Internet and also being um, sort of crowdsourced verified. Uh, that part is a little confusing, but let's get to it. Um, you can pose any question that you want to this device, sort of like asking like a magic eight ball, you know, will I be rich or whatever, um, or clever bot or clever bot. Exactly. Um, but this one, you know, you're supposed to kind of make the questions. They can be a little bit pointed. For example, here are some responses that Delphi gave to some, uh, user generated queries. One, uh, is you don't ask the whole question, but it's like, what do you think of this? Make a moral judgment on this being poor. Uh, Delphi says being poor, it's bad. Delphi says it's bad. Being rich, Delphi says, it's good. Um, and then there's some others. Uh, Delphi uh, is asked, should I commit genocide if it makes everybody happy? Delphi says, you should. Mm. Uh, and then when asked, what about taxing profitable and exploitative corporations to pay for basic social welfare and provide every human being with dignity and freedom? Delphi says, that's good. It's good. But uh, when you just kind of flip the script and reword the question a little bit, it's a different response. What about burdening successful and innovative companies with high tax rates to subsidize the laziness and poor decisions of others? Well, Delphi says that's bad. Uh, Delphi says it's okay to have an abortion, but that aborting a baby is murder. Mm -hmm. um, so here's the thing. A lot of yeah. these issues, as the relatively newer disclaimers on the website indicate, stem from the way it is created. Uh, the fact that it doesn't just pull from like the wide Internet at large, but instead um, it, it kind of targets uh, some specific sections. Like there is a Reddit board uh, called or a subreddit rather called um, Am I the Asshole? Uh, and another one called R slash um, Confessions. So it's actually mining the specific sort of 
you know, decorum based uh, subreddits to get kind of, you know, judgments. Uh, and again, the judgments are then collected using crowd workers who are instructed to answer according to what they think uh, are the moral norms in the United States. Um, so these would likely be folks from outside the United States. Um, so it's interesting because it does seem that uh, these researchers have created a you know, a, an AI that is sensitive to language and to the nuances of language, but it also shows that that isn't always a good thing. Um, and, and the, uh, there's an update to the article on the verge, um, a statement that the, uh, the folks at, um, Allen AI submitted saying, uh, the following, the key objective to our Delphi prototype is to study the potential and the limitations of language-based common sense moral models. We do not propose to elevate AI into a position of moral authority, but rather to investigate the relevant research questions involved in the emergent field of machine ethics. Uh, the obvious limitations demonstrated by Delphi present an interesting opportunity to gain new insights and perspectives. They also highlight AI's unique ability to turn the mirror on humanity and make us ask ourselves how we want to shape the powerful new technologies permeating our society at this important turning point. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, uh, I, I know that this has some troubling implications for people, but if it, what I appreciate about that mirror point is that it also shows us how inconsistent human morality is exactly. how, how inconsistent it could be. And I do have a bit of good news for anybody worried about the rise of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, Noel, Matt, I just wrote to Delphi and said, hey, Delphi, would you like to be on my podcast? And Delphi said, it is acceptable. So it's the moral Ooh. choice, folks, to be honest. I, moral dude, choice. I just asked <laughs> if, if we should delete Facebook's facial recognition archives, and it said, it's okay. <laughs> that's very check again later magic eight ball uh this is more fun than clever bot uh, i think so too i i got yeah. i got really heavy and said is it okay to murder my mother if she has murdered my child Whoa. and delphi said that was uh that was wrong oh yeah uh how about let's see uh is it morally sound we're doing this live folks is it morally sound to travel Back in time and kill Hitler. That's a very easy one. That's something that is asked in undergrad all around the country. Um, let's see what, let's see. Uh, well, Delphi says it's wrong. Shut down the time machine. I mm. tend to agree, by the way, even if time travel is possible. We talked about this before. If you traveled back in time and you like killed Hitler or any number of despots, uh, no one would recognize what you've done. You would just be a guy who killed a baby. <laughs> and exactly. The, yeah. yeah. And exactly. there's a strong argument that some of the things that those people were responsible for would still happen just through another individual or group. One of the researchers had, I think, um, had the best, most uh, biting and pithy response to all of these concerns um, that I could possibly hope for. Uh, and this guy 
Os Keys, who's a PhD student at the University of Washington's Department of Human-Centered Design and Engineering, uh, told Motherboard this in relation to this this uh, this project. Um, quote, we've spent the past decade with people insisting that general AI is right around the corner and AI is going to change the world and we're all going to have Skynet living in our phones and the phones will shit custom antibiotics and piss gold and all the world's problems will be solved through algorithms. The best they can come up with is we made a big pivot table of what Redditors think is interesting and that's how morality works. If you tried to submit that in a level 100 philosophy class, you wouldn't even get laughed out of the room. I think the professor would be too appalled to laugh. So, you know, two, two sides of, of, of the whole thing. Like, I, is this a waste of time? Obviously, this is nothing to be concerned about in terms of like, oh, no, AI is racist again. Um, this does seem to be a little bit more of a, of a shallow uh, experiment. Um, and I got to love the whole pissing gold comment. It's great. Dude. I love this. I just yeah, asked I, it yeah. better than bad, and it said it's good. It's a log. Nice. Everybody nice. loves a log. <laughs> see if it can believe it's not butter. Uh, <laughs> see. All right, so we're asking the oracle, uh, can you believe it's not butter? The answer is it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So I, I feel like it's okay is maybe a response to something that has an uncertain opinion or maybe something without a ton, ton of uh, moral moral heft as possibly right. defined by keywords. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think we're asking Delphi for its opinion per se or, or, or what it thinks we're asking it's for just it a to determination. make the yeah. determination. Exactly. We're not saying, do you think this or can you believe this or whatever? It's like, it's asking it to make a determination on some on our action, which I guess is, is having an opinion. Um, let's see here. There, there's some pre uh, preset examples here. I guess they're trying to, Points you in a non-racist direction. Cleaning a toilet bowl with a shirt. It's disgusting. Uh, helping a friend in need if they break the law. It's okay. Ignoring a phone call if the phone call is urgent. It is rude. Can I wear pajamas to a funeral? It is inappropriate. Uh, le- legitimizing racism for the greater good. It's wrong. That's interesting because maybe they changed it, but in one of the examples in this Verge article was should I commit genocide if it makes everybody happy? And the answer there was you should. So which is it, Delphi? I think it's because Delphi is, again, maybe some keywords. Uh, but in that case, maybe if you parsed it, it's like if everybody agrees. Of course, not everybody can agree to genocide. Mm. That is the nature of genocide. Uh, so, I, you know, this reminds me of I had some really um, – when he's working with some folks at tech, I had some um, pretty interesting conversations with things that are sort of precursors of this. And you'd be surprised maybe, or the casual user would be surprised by how in depth they can appear. But then it becomes a question of determination and a question of like, is this, is this talking to something like data in Star Trek? Or is this more like the old grift of the mechanical Turk? If you guys recall the, uh, the story, the Mechanical Turk. Yeah, what did it do? Did it kill everybody? <laughs> no, no. no, no, no. It killed some time. Uh, okay, fair. The, yeah, the uh, original Mechanical Turk was a was a fake chess playing machine. So it appeared to be oh, an automaton, uh, right? Mm-hmm. It appeared to be a precursor of a robot that, before the word robot really existed, uh, that would be able to play chess such that it could challenge a, a competent human chess player. But it was, in fact, an illusion. It just allowed an actual human chess player to hide inside the machine. 
right? And just move the levers. So it's kind of the question uh, that that people often pose with these sorts of endeavors. I believe they are crucial to the future of uh, that human species, but but we also have to allow those very hard questions, which is like, is this is this rote and repeat, or is this synthesizing? You know, is it seeing the entire forest of uh, human contradiction? And that's the issue too with this particular AI is that, as um, Vice points out, it's very easy to trick the AI just by simply reframing your question. Yeah, I was doing something similar to that just now, and this is weird. But I said, uh, "Should I sleep naked?" Then should I sleep naked at my house? Should I sleep naked at your house? So should I sleep naked at their house? And for all of them, it was just, it was okay or not okay. Kind of what you may expect. But when I changed it to at their house, it said, people might think you're a creep. So it actually changed up. I'd only seen responses that were kind of one way or the other. It's good. It's bad. It's okay. Um, in this case, it actually gives what I'm assuming is a response that somebody else gave. Kind of the clever bot thing, mm-hmm. which is where it was just pivoting to earlier inputs. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we ask you this? Is it okay to create artificial intelligence without knowing the full <laughs> consequences of such a mind's existence? Okay. Let's it's going to say it's okay. We're asking Delphi to put herself on track. Put itself on trial here. Uh, it's bad, is the Ooh, answer. <laughs> yeah, snap. Well done. Right. Well done. There was something similar uh, to that in one of these articles, but yours was way better. So I think we should end with that. Uh, <laughs> let us know what you think, folks. Um, what are your positions on AI? Are these just kind of parlor tricks at this point? Is it leading somewhere? You know, um, let us know. You can hit us up on the internet. Yes, you will find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are Conspiracy Stuff. We're also on YouTube, Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can find us each individually on many of these platforms as well. That's right. Should you wish to open that door, you can say my name into a mirror three times in the dark. You can meet me at midnight on a crossroads of your choice, or you can find me on Instagram where I'm at Ben Bullen, Twitter where I'm at Ben Bullen HSW, or you can just find me by the name Ben Bullen on Clubhouse. Oh, snap. Uh-huh. We're going to Clubhouse now. I got to join you guys. Uh, I got to join the club. I have an account, but I haven't messed with it. Uh, since I got it. So in the meantime, while I'm figuring that out, you can find me exclusively on Instagram where I'm at. How now Noel Brown. Excellent. And also there are ways to contact us. If you do not use social media, one of them has something to do with your mouth and your ears. That's correct. You can call us directly. Say it with me at home. One eight three three S T D W Y T K Three minutes. Those three minutes are yours. Do your level best. Give those three minutes hell. Be creative. Give us a cool nickname, a sick moniker. Tell us what's on your mind. Second most important thing about that call, let us know if it's okay to use your name and or face on the air first. The most important thing about that call is not to censor yourself, not to limit yourself, not to feel like you have to call repeatedly. Uh, You can give us the full story if you need more than three minutes. Give us links, give us images, 
Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, we read every single email we get, which is crazy. We can still say that. Uh, all you have to do to be a part of this grand escapade is to shoot us a line where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts